We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, Greg D says basket weaving while snorkeling is tough. Don't knock it. And it's underwater snorkeling, which makes it even tougher. So yes. I feel like I'm not going to try uh, that, but yeah, yes, probably smart. Probably smart. <laughs> I used to do underwater basket weaving. But that one gets old after a while. Yes. Yes. Here's one from Coleman Smith. From Coleman Smith. What do you think of, of uh, Mike Bray retiring after this season? Who would be your pick to be the next basketball coach? I don't know enough about who would be options. I mean, obviously, yeah. uh, the the Martin Inglesby is going to be someone people mention. I don't know if he's had enough success where he's at to to really warrant that. Chris Quinn, former Notre Dame guard, who's now an assistant for Miami Heat, is going to be someone that people talk about because they're Notre Dame guys. Yeah. There's also an assistant coach. I think it was Nathan Erbach uh, wrote that wrote an, a piece recently that I saw where he mentioned uh, one of the assistant coaches for the Dallas Mavericks is a friend of Marcus Freeman's and a big Notre Dame fan and a big Notre Dame supporter. Maybe he's a guy that they look at. So I, I know some some movers and shakers on campus that would probably uh, push for him. You know, his name's Sean Sweeney. So uh, definitely a guy to keep an eye on as well. Actually, it's funny. I just had a, a buddy of mine text me about him. So, um, but yeah, he's, uh, I mean, the Mavericks are obviously – good NBA basketball team. He's one of their top assistants. And, and like I said, he's also someone who who knows Marcus Freeman well and, um, you know, would would be would be a big pro Notre Dame guy. So you bring that kind of that NBA resume to the, to the team. So he's a guy to keep an eye on as well. Those are just names I've seen mentioned. I don't follow – we don't cover basketball at Irish Breakdown. Like we're fans of basketball at Irish Breakdown. And, you know, to Notre Dame team to a degree – but um, I mean, those would be some just names that I've heard. I, I I couldn't pretend to tell you that that I know who the top targets are out there. I just sure. don't know enough. I don't follow the game close enough to tell you who those are. But I, I just take people that I know and respect that do follow basketball. Those are the names that they're giving me early, early on. Right. And, and I I know. I mean, again, I I think things have kind of run run its course with Coach yeah. Bray at this point, right? To where it is this season, especially, but. He did a really good job for the most part. Yeah. I mean, there was a consistency there for a while. I mean, it was fun watching the Luke Herringody teams yeah. and stuff like that, right? Like those were 
really good basketball team. So I thought Mike Bray did a very good job for the most part. It's just at some point, like some sometimes errors just kind of run their course. And I feel like it was right. just it's just time for a change. It's just where we yeah. are. I mean, it's happened there everywhere. I mean, John Thompson yeah. didn't leave on on top of the world. Exactly. I don't think Dean Smith's teams were phenomenal towards the end of his tenure. I mean, most coaches aren't like Mike Shashevsky where they leave when their team is still a top ten team. Most just aren't that way. And yep. that's just a wrap for Coach Bray. I, I mean, I'll, I'll never forget the two teams he had in 14 and 15 and then 15 and 16, those back-to-back Elite Eight teams. Those were, I actually covered the team back then. Those are fun teams to watch and cover. I mean, they were just really good basketball players. But even then, you watch some of the highlights, and you're like, that's why that team was better than this team. Number one, had better NBA players, legit NBA players. Jaron Grant was an NBA player. Pat Connaughton was an NBA player. Zach August is a borderline NBA player, but that team, the ball movement that team had was just so much more aggressive and crisp and sharp. And they're just, was a, just better athletes, better urgency. And just, uh, um, you know, just the team was different and they could defend a little bit. This team can't defend. And Mike Bray's never been much of a defensive coach, but it's gotten especially bad in recent years as the game has evolved and offense has become, because somebody asked me this, I was asked this on a TV last night, you know, why the, the issues mm-hmm. and do you think it was going to the ACC? And I said, you know, I think the biggest issue for Mike Bray is the game evolved and he didn't. And what I mean by that is for a long time, I mean, you look at like him and John Beeline and, and whether he was at West Virginia and then at Michigan, they were considered these like offensive savants in, a, in an era where offensive basketball wasn't really king, you know, and then all of a sudden the three point shot really becomes a thing and the game becomes much more offensive oriented and guard oriented and Notre Dame just couldn't keep up because they were now kind of doing what everybody else did and they didn't have the players to do it. And some of those teams can still defend and they can't. And I think they just fell behind in that regard. And so um, I I think that's kind of what hurt them. But if you just take away the recent stretch, I mean, Mike Bray had a heck of a career at Notre Dame. I mean, 23 years, 13 NCAA tournaments, uh, Two Elite Eights, a Sweet 16, like five, I think, one, two, three, four, six times he got to the round of 32 during an era where, I mean, players were just flat out being bought if you're a big-time player. You know, the one and done became a thing. I think, you know, things like that all hurt hurt Notre Dame basketball where you're just – you started seeing more of that and the talent gap became a little bit too much and – and there came a time where the support for the program wasn't what it needed to be to maintain. And they were a little late getting caught up. And now it's like, they're too far behind, you know, with, with the coach Bray. So I, I think the time it's, it's the right time for them to move on. Yep. And it's just unfortunate that his last team, like I would have loved for this team to be as good as everybody thought it would have been. And then he steps away. That would have been ideal. But Ryan, you and I talked about this last night. Or it was me and uh, Vince were talking about this last night. So few competitors go out on top. Yes, because it requires a level of, okay, I've had enough that you just don't see very much. Tom Brady's going to play. I mean, look, just prepare yourselves, folks. Tom Brady's going to play for a few more years. I mean, if he can, if someone's going to sign him because he has no idea how to not compete. And where John Elway and Peyton Manning were ready to say, I've had enough. Partly, But why? Because John Elway had been battling injuries. Peyton Manning had had the neck thing. He couldn't play the way he used to. He was still, it's time for me to hang it up. Brett Favre had a hard time with that. Most guys are not that most guys are not John Elway where they they leave with back-to-back Super Bowls and Super Bowl MVP it just you know Peyton Manning even the year that Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl and walked away they didn't win it because of Peyton Manning now right I mean you know yeah exactly yeah Uh, so you know John Elway could still play it's just he was 38 and his body was breaking down but he could still play 
but he said, Hey, you know, maybe I could come back for three Pete, but what if I don't, I mean, you just won a super bowl. You just won the MVP of that super bowl. And the team you beat in that super bowl was, was your head coach was the guy that was your head coach who you felt held you. I mean, it was literally a story book ending for John Elway. So he decided to walk away. Most great competitors don't know when to do that. Yep. And and so it just is rare that a guy gets to go out on top. But that's what I was kind of hoping would would happen. That's why I was kind of hoping he would let. Why he let? I was kind of hoping he left after last year. But once they got JJ Starling, I was like, well, there's no way he's leaving now. You know what I mean? He's definitely going to want to coach that kid. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. You got another one here from Coleman Smith. In your opinion, what can Notre Dame do to make the stadium more pro-Notre Dame on game days and for people to not sell their tickets? Well, number one, I think the biggest thing is make it a more fun atmosphere. Make it a more an atmosphere that's more um, easier for local people to tap into. I know a lot of local folks that they don't go to football games unless I get them free tickets because they're so they got five kids and three kids and all these things and and they can't afford to pay hundred some dollars per ticket, hundred dollars to park unless they want to walk a mile and a half with their five kids, you know, and and then they can park for twenty bucks somewhere and then it's what eight dollars a pop, you know what I mean? Like six dollars for a pretzel. So, you know, it just it's so expensive to go to a game now. And 
some of that's like, well, may, maybe you could raise ticket prices and then or lower ticket prices and maybe raise the cost of other things. So at least families could at least go to the games and then maybe spend more money on the merch or something like that, or, or food or something like that. But unfortunately, Notre Dame makes too much money because they sell out almost every week. It's going to take them not being able to sell out to start saying, well, we need to do something different. And when this team is good, they're going to sell out. I mean, that's just the reality of it. Right. And that's why I don't think Notre Dame cares that the other team overtakes the stadium because the thing, and you think of the, the money that they're making off of it. I don't think they care, but I think one thing if they cared that they could do differently besides that, Ryan, is to say, hey, look, ushers, football's a game that's meant to have fans standing up, and yes. if people don't want to stand up, that's fine. Okay, here, take a sit-down, create a sit-down section. Section such and such is for people who want to sit, and then let the rest of the stadium stand. Like, I can't tell how many times I hear stories of ushers threatening to kick people out because some wealthy and or rich person behind them wants to sit and watch a football game, right? And, you know, and stop, tell your, hey, look, there's not, stand up then. If you want to see, I want to see, I can't. Then stand up then. Or again, create a sit-down section. You know, I mean, seriously, do so, be creative with it, but make it a more fun environment. And then the last thing they can do, honestly, is kind of what they're doing now, hopefully, is starting to have a better home slate. Yes. I mean, people are just not going to be fired up to watch Notre Dame play, a bunch of games against the teams they've played at home in recent years. They're just not, they're not. And it's, it's fine to have a central Michigan and a Tennessee state on there. As long as you also have Ohio state and USC and the big time programs like that. But I mean, I think those are some things and there's people that are much more pro business or knowledgeable about business and other things to be able to give you more business answers about that. I can't, that's not my expertise, but I think put a better product on the field is, is ultimately the bottom of, of this whole thing to make it yeah. a, a more pro Notre Dame game, game game day. And that's why I think Marcus Freeman has a chance to be that guy, Ryan, because he's a guy that's likable. I knew a lot of people that were Notre Dame fans who said, I just can't go to games. Why? Cause I just can't support Brian Kelly. I'm like, but they're winning. They're inside. I don't care. It's it's a, it's boring football. It's bad teams. And I can't support Brian Kelly. A truth. And now it's like, those people love Marcus Freeman. And so it's like, if he can then win at the level Brian Kelly did or beyond, and you're playing better teams. It's you're you're going to see that environment get back up there because Notre Dame used to have a louder stadium when there's fifty two thousand people or fifty nine thousand people there. That's I've talked to talked to Tim O'Malley at our Street about that. Ask him the loudest stadium environment he'll ever be in, and he'll tell you it's he'll probably tell you it's nineteen eighty eight. My I'm actually texting him right now, and I'll bet you he's going to tell me that right now that the it's it's uh, the loudest in hold on, loudest indie game you've ever been to. I'm texting him right now. So, and I bet you, I'll bet you he says it was Miami 1988 when there's 59,000 people in the stands, right? And so that um, put a good product in the field and play big time teams. That's, that's, those are, those are non-business things you can do to make it better. Thought, Ryan, you have any thoughts? You might know a little something it, about this business-wise. It, it was, I, I mean, it was definitely the home slate was, was the number one thing I was thinking. It was just like, you know, last year I'm like, you know, cool. I'm at the Marshall game, but also... Notre Dame was playing Marshall at home, you know, like it's not, it's not the, the sexiest game of all time, but when you have the Ohio States, when you have the USC's it's big time, man. Like those are the matchups that you want to have. And I mean, if, if Notre Dame fans are, if Notre Dame fans sell their tickets for that, for those two, it's like, there's something wrong here, right? Like there's something very wrong, but being a guy, especially that lives 10 hours from South Bend that has to take a plane ride in or drive 10 hours, 
I think the expense is a big thing that you talked about, Brian, which I agree 100% on. It's it's expensive to go to a game, man. I mean, the tickets are a lot, but also the food, the drinks, like it's it's expensive to go there. And Logan Thayer, uh, you need about five more large hotels to pop up in South Bend for one. A thousand plus dollars for Airbnb or hotel room is just not doable for most people. Agree, Logan. Agree completely on that one. And that's like, why that's... I made the comment earlier, Ryan, because this is yeah. a good point that's relevant to you in the times you've come. Is like how much would you guys have had to pay if you didn't bring that RV that that year for the Cincinnati game, right? Well, I mean, even that, like four of you. Even though it's even that though, it's like a balancing act because it's so much, it's so expensive to fill up an RV with but, diesel. But my fuel, point you know? is, imagine <laughs> if you would have had to fly to South Bend, yeah, and then rent, ho- get a hotel room. Yeah. And that you're talking thousands of dollars, right? So you're, but yes. the point is you're spending a lot more no matter what, but even you'd have had to spend even more if you didn't have to fill up an RV. I mean, if, if you didn't come in the RV yeah, and that's why I say you need to make it more affordable for local fans to come yes, and, and bring their kids and their families. Mm-hmm. And then, cause here's the thing, not enough people think about you. You're not just thinking about what you're doing now, but you need to make sure that you're kind of grooming the future fans Yep. And uh, how many fan? How many fans in this chat? I bet you there's a bunch that when they think of how they became a Notre Dame fan, it's either a watching Notre Dame games with their dad or mom, or an uncle or someone who loved Notre Dame, or they went to a game when they were a kid with their dad or uncle or something like that. So there's a level of you've got to groom the future fandom as well. I just Tim just texted me Miami 1988, so I was right. And so he's been in the stadium. There's 80,000 people and 59,000 people. And it was the loudest as ever. It was one with 59,000. Why? Because it was a great Notre Dame team against a great Miami team. And that's, that's the reality of it. So I'm going to text him here in a minute, tell him that he just answered a a very important question for me on the air. But uh, that's the other thing too, is you don't have to worry about this as much. If you make it more accessible, make Notre Dame does not really, the football team's doing a better job of that. But the school kind of like built a wall around itself with the community. And is, they're just not – they just don't – like South Bend's not the same kind of, of college town that Happy Valley is or sure. that Norman, Oklahoma is. or And, and that's that's because of the school and, and, and their and, and unwillingness to kind of really engage with the community and make the campus like a, a welcoming place for fans and families that live around the area. Like, yeah, you you can go there if you're doing okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like honestly, like for the first, I don't know, eight, nine years that I covered Notre Dame, I couldn't afford to go to game if I didn't have a press pass. Sure. Sure. It was expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and I think it's a great point too, Brian, because even like the further you get out, I mean, Notre Dame's a national brand, right? So you have fans, everywhere around the country right and it's making it easier for them as well to be able to get to the game because they're gonna have to pay for money on travel but if if room staying if the stay was a little cheaper if the game day was a little cheaper that could kind of outweigh the cost that you already have i mean when i was down in san antonio for the old american bowl i literally met a a bunch of uh it was the notre dame chapter i think of san antonio is what they were called and they were all notre dame alums that are from san antonio it's like there's notre dame fans and alumni everywhere in the country make it easier for them to come to games too like yeah. it's just yeah hey, i just i just asked tim o'malley uh the question i told you that right and he said miami he gave me his top four it was miami 88 florida state 93 notre dame usc 05 
and then nice. Michigan 1988. So three of the four games where he felt it was the loudest he's ever seen were, were games when the stadium was still only held 59,000 people. So the product that you put on the field has a role in this. And then the environment you create where it's become Notre Dame, like if you go to Alabama, it is a a normal – well, I can't use Alabama because that's just what I've told, but I'll, I'll talk about places I've been to. Michigan, it's normal everyday people. The Walmart Wolverines are what dominate that stadium. It is a for-the-people environment. Clemson's that way. And Ohio State is that way. Ohio State's getting a little bit more pricey than some people have complained about it. But still, it's yeah. it's people from around the area that mostly fill up that stadium. Sure. Notre Dame is very much a um, high-class fan experience in a lot of yeah. ways. Is how they cater to it. It's like, hey, if you go there and you got a lot of money, it's an awesome experience. It's like if you're prestige. just some normal Joe with three kids, you go there and you're like, God, I just like literally spent my month's paycheck to take my kids to a freaking football game. Or, or a normal Joe with two kids from New Jersey, you know. Right. So yeah. And it becomes yeah. you you need to talk. <laughs> that guy needs to talk to his boss and ask for a raise or something like that. So <laughs> Um, get it, get it, get yeah. another stipend for a baby. Yeah. That yeah, there you go. Yeah, you get a baby stipend. There you go. That's that's uh, yeah. Uh, that's not my fault. That's your choice, not mine. Yes. That's true. I did make that choice. I did make that choice. Go. Super chat from. I'm not sure how to pronounce this. I just name. say um I I said it wrong, but he kind of liked it. I said Cricky because it made him remind Cricky. him of uh, okay. Yeah, but it's not. Right. It's Cree. I think something like that. Cree. Gotcha. Okay. So question from Cree. Thank you so much for the super chat. Did you see the tape of the 6'5 quarterback Notre Dame once in 2025? That's Antoine Hill Jr. out of the state of Georgia. I, I did a little bit. Yeah, he's a uh, very light arm. The, I was about to say, one of the first things that he – there was like an article on him or whatever, and someone literally said he has one of the strongest arms in the country regardless of class because he's a 2025 kid. Brian, this kid, I mean, he's like one of those kids that you want to be near when he throws because I feel like that ball whistles through the air. You know, like he's got one of those Nerf Vortex arms. You know what I mean? Like he, mm-hmm. he's impressive. He's very impressive. And they're starting to get in on a few quarterbacks in 2025 that are very impressive. They There's uh, some guys to keep eyes on, man, because I know everyone wants to talk about Bryce Underwood, and I get it because he's incredibly talented. But like that Antoine Hill kid, kick and play man he's talented so yeah he's i i i i I dream of having that type of arm you know like it's just Mm -hmm. i want to be able to throw a ball over a mountain and uh yeah but country mile whatever he's he's very talented though antoine hill (laughs) there you go all right we got some more one one, uh, actually let's get we'll come back to coleman smith he's got a bunch of them we'll come back to some of his let's get to somebody else here real quick God Country Notre Dame Barbecue. Thank you for the question. Best Notre Dame team since the end of the Lou Holtz era. Who was your top two? And how does that game play out? Also, how does that team compare to the 1988 team? Is it a close game? Oh, man. So, best team since the end of the Holtz era. What was his last year? 96? 96, yeah. For me, it would be 05 in 2018. I think are the two best Notre Dame teams, in my opinion. Uh, I, not I have, 2012. I have, I have yeah. partialness to the 2005 team. Yeah, personally, but here, here's the thing: the 05 team would have won, even though the defense for the 05 team wasn't that great, because the 05 team could score, and the 2018 yes. team at the end of the day could not. 
Yes. It would have been a close game because that defense would have given Brady Quinn some problems, just speak like they gave everybody else some problems. That pass rush would have had some some success at times. At the end of the day, I don't think Troy Pride and Julian Love would have been able to com- to run with um, most of all and Jeff Samarja for 60 minutes and, and with and, Anthony Bassano. And yeah, yeah they just, they just and, scored enough to win. And I, I know that I know Love and Troy Pride were both very good players at Notre Dame. Yeah, but they're also smaller corners too, right? So right. going against six five and six five would not have been the easiest right. assignment now, in the world. Clemson well. had some big kids, and yes. but they were speed guys. They weren't like Samarj and Stowell. Because I've said this before, I used to watch in practice uh, Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool just destroy the Notre Dame corners. Practice after practice, because they'd be covered and just like back shoulder it, and like if Ian Book threw as many back shoulders in games. As he threw in practice, he would have been so much better because he just would take more chances in practice and it would always work out. And this guy's would go make plays for him. He just didn't carry it over into games. But you'd see them and just like they couldn't cover him. And that also that but that's what that offense was in 05. Is they were they were going to get you in space and they were going to isolate you and get run on one-on-ones. And if you split too pit spent too much time on the outside, then you got to deal with Anthony Fasano coming down the middle of the field and making plays on you. And that that team would have been hard to stop. That, that would have been on. And how do those teams compare to 88? Neither of them are as good as the 88 team. I mean, that 88 team was dynamic, dynamic on defense. They had a ton of NFL players. They were really good in the trenches on both sides of the ball. And they just – they had so much speed. I mean, they had yeah. way more speed than either one of those two teams. I mean, you were so you were so loaded at running back that you felt you were justified in putting Ricky Waters at wide receiver. I mean, think about that. A, few, a future Pro Bowl running back to man for 10,000 Borderline yards Hall of Fame running back in <laughs> yeah. the NFL. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And he couldn't crack the the running back rotation until year three of his career. You know, Wild, I mean, yeah, that 88 team was, was – it was just so complete. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. They could dominate in the trenches, but they could run. Yeah. And that's the thing that has separated that team from some other teams that had great lines is – they had so much speed on both sides of the ball. I mean, Michael Stonebreaker was a fast linebacker, man. Uh, Andre Jones, uh, the late Andre Jones, who was TJ Jones's dad, was a pretty athletic edge player. But you had Stance Magala could fly. Todd Light could run. He was an elite NFL player. Pat yes. Terrell played in the NFL for a long time. He could run. Rocket Ismail was the most explosive player in college football at the time. When you're when you're on an offensive football team, and Ricky Waters is not your best athlete, you're freaking nasty when it comes yeah. to athleticism and skill. And he wasn't. And you could even argue, I've had people argue this with me. I don't agree with it. I think Ricky was the second best offensive weapon on that team. Tony but Rice. I've had uh, um, that t- not quarterback. Gotcha. Uh, Rocket gotcha. was number one to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had people argue that Tony Brooks was better mm-hmm. than Ricky Waters. He just got in a little bit more trouble. And I was like, I can't go with you there, but I get where you're coming from. But the fact that it's even a conversation. And then you throw in the dynamic ability of Tony Rice and you say, okay, that's that starts getting pretty nasty, right? Stone Stonebreaker is still the best name ever for a defensive oh, yeah. player of all time. It's, well, that team had some great names. I mean, Ricky Waters, yeah. Tony Rice, Rocket Ismail, Michael Stonebreaker, uh, Todd Light. You know what I mean? Like they had some great Chris Zorich, right? I mean, that's some great name. But and we all talk about Zorich and Frank Stamps, but like George Williams, George Boo Williams, when he was when he was that when he was eligible and that year he was he was really good. I mean, he's the guy that had the pet. If you go back and look at that two-point conversion, and they talked about this in that one documentary, 
George Williams getting in Steve Walsh's face on that two-point conversion is a big reason that ball got sailed and floated and got broken up by Pat Terrell because he was open initially, but he couldn't throw that thing on the line because George Williams just bowled through and got in his face. So that team was loaded, absolutely yeah. loaded. So great question. What was a great question. From Scott L., how does the size of the Notre Dame staff compare to the si- staff sizes of Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson? Not as big as Georgia. Now, I'm not familiar with the size of Clemson's back office. I'm not sure either. Uh, it's not as big as Georgia and Alabama. It's getting closer, but it's not there yet. I would like to see more time developed to the analyst side from an advanced scouting standpoint. So, so we're not just the, taking the coaches' numbers. We're also taking like support well, staff because the coaches' too. numbers. It's the same for every team. You're right, only allowed ten same. assistant coaches. Uh, when right. I think of staff, I'm thinking recruiting staff, analysts. G, you know, there's you can only have a certain number of GAs. You only have a certain number of assistants. That's the same for everybody. Sure, it's the other stuff. Uh, that is to me, Notre Dame still has room to get better. More analysts, uh, more advanced scouting, more kind of focus on player personnel. You know, give Chad Bowden more resources. Yes. You know what I mean? From an evaluation standpoint and then on an on-campus standpoint. Uh, give give some him, some people that can do some more roster management. Uh, expand the NIL staff. I mean, there's a lot of areas where Notre Dame has to get better. Give Matt Bayless more more. Um, room and then the big thing is is there's still plenty of room to improve the nutrition program right they have a nutritionist but they don't necessarily have the thing where they give you like at at alabama everything you need they give you meals Mm -hmm. supplements all that stuff notre dame's not there yet and they need to get there and get there in a hurry and so there's a lot of things i should actually we should actually do a show on this and write an article on this the things that the university can still do to help the football team in ways that, that, Hey, you know what? We, you don't want us to compete in NIL. You don't want us to be able to go out and get a million transfers. Cool. But here's what you better do. You better make sure that I can do what it takes to have the best coaching staff in the business. And if that means we have to pay more than anybody else, then they pay more, but that's going to help us overcome the fact that we don't always have the same resources to go out and get certain players because of NIL or because of transfers. I would make that pitch. Absolutely. You know, do things to make the environment at home games better, you know, but then let me do certain things. Uh, let me have some 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 things here where, hey, you don't you're not going to help us with talent acquisition. Then here's where, where areas you can help us to make sure that we're maximizing the talent that we can get here. There's no excuse, none for Notre Dame not to have the biggest staff in college football. None. They can afford it. They just got to commit to it. There's no excuse for Notre Dame to have the best nutrition program in the country. There's no excuse for Notre Dame to have an immaculate, just outstanding staff of people meant to help these young people in their lives. Commit to those things like you commit to the academic success of these students, which Notre Dame has one of the best academic support programs for, for athletes, if not the best. It's outstanding. And that's why so many of these kids are able to be successful in the classroom. Give me the same emphasis and the same energy and the same resources in nutrition, mental health, all these other kinds of things. Because here's something that definitely needs to be talked about more. People think that these kids getting this money is going to make their lives better. And in some ways it does. But you know what else it does to an 18-year-old kid? It ramps up the expectations and the stress level enormously. 
it's hard for an adult to deal with a $13 million contract. You're going to get to a freaking 18 year old <laughs> and not have, and, and you're not going to have anything in, in place to say, Hey, let's help you deal with the stress of all these burdens that are being placed upon your bodies. And more importantly, your mind and your spirit, right? So we're going to help you with the mental health aspect of this that is often overlooked, you know, and, and I think those are very important resources that Notre Dame needs to place in. So if your strength staff is not as if, if Paul Longo says, I need two more guys to really get this, then you freaking go do what you got to do to get them two more guys. If Marcus Freeman comes to an institution and says, Hey, I need, I need two more people here in, in, in roster management. I need help here in recruiting. I need, I need a deeper staff or advanced scouting. Then you flip and do it because it's, it's your, if you're not going to let them compete in the NIL and the transfer portal sphere, like the other top programs, that's fine. I understand that you're sticking to what you believe in as institution. Cool. But is there something about your institution or Catholicism that makes you say you can't have the highest paid coaching staff in football? Why? Why? Because if you're going to tie their hand behind their back in this regard, which I respect, actually, I don't want Notre Dame to get involved in those things. I don't want Notre Dame to bring in some kid who barely got by at state school university because he can really run fast and play football because you're not doing that guy any favors. You're not going to do that guy any favors at all. But if you're not going to let me still go get the kid from us that, that does have a three, five, because you're not going to take his credit. That's cool. But you better make sure that in every capacity that involves the day-to-day life and athletics and off the field aspects of these football players, you better make sure you're giving me all the resources I need to make sure I'm getting the most out of every single one of these kids on and off the field. Otherwise stop calling yourself a, a Catholic institution. If you're not willing to commit to those resources, then what are you really doing here besides collecting paychecks? Right? We've are, we know Notre Dame's one of the most profitable programs in the country. You got your own TV deal, your own suit. You keep saying, hey, we don't need the big TV deal. Okay, then why? What where wh- what's the money coming from and what are you using it for? You know what I mean? And if you're not using it to make the lives of these student athletes who are the reason 80,000 people pay hundreds of dollars just to sit in the freaking stands of your football game. It's not to watch you give your invocation or prayer before the game. It's to watch these kids play football. And if you don't want to pay them, I understand. I'm cool with that. But what you better freaking do is make sure that you're investing money in all the resources they need to become the very best versions of themselves in every single capacity. So there is no excuse not to have a great nutrition program. There is no excuse to have a great medical program. There is no excuse not to have a great mental health program. There is no excuse to do a lot of things that Notre Dame is doing a good job at, but not a great job at. And that's where the improvement. Now, is that the reason Brian Kelly didn't win? No, stop making excuses. That's not why you lost to Northwestern. That's not why you lost to Tulsa. That's not why Navy beat you twice. That's not why you did a lot of things. But they are things that can allow this program to say, if we're not getting it done, it's because we aren't doing our job. Right. But right now, the University of Notre Dame cannot look in the mirror and in good faith say we're doing everything that we can without sacrificing what we believe in from an amateurism standpoint to make this program the best they can be. You're not. You're not. I'm not talking about NIL. I'm not talking about getting any transfer you want into school. Not talking about that. Keep your stance there. I don't care. But the kids that Notre Dame can get into school, you're not giving them all the resources that they need to thrive. I'm telling you that. That's not a that's not up for debate. 
That's a fact. So to me, until they're willing to commit the resources there, then this program will always have to kind of be, it's it's going to be even harder for them to win. There's no excuse. There's, I, I, if, if you're going to lose a kid to Alabama because Alabama gave that kid $2 million, more power to you. Yeah. Uh, Notre Dame, I respect you for not wanting to get into that business. I'm with you. I'm with you. Jack Swarbrick and the school, they're not fighting against kids getting an arrow money in the right way. They're all for it. Now, I think there's things you can do better there. But beside of that, here's my point. There, There's no excuse, however, for Bama to have a way bigger staff than you. Now, you don't need all those guys to be football people. That's not You don't need 19 analysts. Give me 10. And then give me those other 9 or 10 in the nutrition program. Give Paul Bay- Matt Bayless a couple extra helpers. Uh, give give the mental create a mental health group of people that are really here to help these kids handle the rickers because you guys just keep piling more and more and more onto these kids. Right? So make sure you're giving them all the resources resources they need to be really strong young men and in in the other sports young women, right? Cuz this shouldn't just be a football thing. Right. Mental health isn't just something that matters to football players. Right. And so I think if those things, if Notre Dame said, hey, we're not going to invest in this NIL crap, it's 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 it, this is not what college athletics is supposed to be about in, in the way that it's being used by like Florida giving 13 million dollars to an 18 year old quarterback. Totally support that. Hey, we're not going to let some kid that that barely went to class transfer in here because he could help you win a championship. Because he's not going to be a student here. Totally support that. But what's your excuse not to be crushing it over here and over here and over here that are things that only go towards making this this better for your young men? What's what? Why? What? What's the reason other than just you're cheap? That's it. That's it. I promise you, if Notre Dame committed to building those things up, they could raise the money like that. Promise you. Promise you. So. That's 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 what I want to see. So that that's where that question to me got me fired up is that's where Notre Dame can say this is what we can do to make sure that we're giving our football coaches and our basketball coaches and our fencing coaches and all those people all the resources they need because our athletic programs make us a lot of money, a lot of money. And we're going to start pouring more of that back into our young people because then that's going to make them better. And the better they are, the more money they're going to make. Ryan, it's like it's it's no different than when we've done at ours breakdown. What have I said all along? If you all give us more money, I promise you I'm going to reinvest it back in Irish breakdown. And that's how I got this guy. That, that's the only reason I can afford to pay him. And it's the only reason I can have the staff. It used to just be me. And then Vince sitting in his his uh his office during the school day when we're gonna mute him during when the bell's ringing, because that's all we, you know, it's all we could do. And we've grown because we say, hey, we're, we're making more money. And that's not getting put in the Driscoll family vacation fund. That's being reinvested back into Irish Breakdown to make it even better and better and better. Because the better the content is, the more money we continue to make, which means I can pour even more into our, into our business. And it's just kind of like, if you would be willing to take more of the money you're making or raise more money to then make the programs even better, then they will produce even more money because they'll win more. And then they'll be more successful. And all those things happen, and that's where the program needs to get to. At the end of the day, they've got to be more willing to do that stuff. And if they did that, Ryan, there'd be more and more Notre Dame fans say, I don't need NIL. Go get the kids that want to be here. Right. 
and give them what they need because we're we're kicking those NIL teams butts because our kids are invested. They're they're they've been here a long time and they have the stuff around them thinks, man, you, you don't got what we got. We're gonna go out there and punish you. And that's what's the brilliance of Nick Saban. People think it's just it's all the five stars. No, those five stars have the best resources that money can buy. And so they're getting the absolute most. They're going to NFL teams that, that don't have the same strength programs and nutrition programs that, that, that Alabama has. You're not wrong. And that's where Notre Dame is, um, as an institution, is not doing a good enough job, in my opinion. That's when they need to get better. Were, were you fired up there? Were you fired up? A little bit. A little hmm. bit. One of the questions here, Ryan, I thought was funny, <laughs> uh, was I want to find this question here. Okay. And it basically was, here we go. From USMA87, what's Ryan thinking throughout the rant? <laughs> um, I mean, I'm, I was listening, USMA87. I was listening to Brian. I was agreeing with most of it. Okay. And I was what thinking about what I'm going to have for no, – I agree with all of it. I'm, I was also I, – I did black out for a second when I started thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner tonight, to be honest with you. But otherwise <laughs> – Thanks, Ryan. Thanks. No, it's not because of you. It's mm-hmm. not because of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. I have ADHD. You have to understand okay. this. I do know. I do know this. this. I do know That's this. all. That's all. That's what got to rein you in during the show. So I'm like, hey, Brian, look at me. Back, back, focus, focus. I know, man. That's why That's why I go full screen on the show now because, like, if I have the chat up, my eyes would just start wandering. And yeah. it's, like, one of those things where I don't even realize it's happening. It just starts happening. Like, I just can't. Yeah. Hey, Archer wants to know, man. Come on, Ryan. What didn't you agree with? Be honest. It's okay to say. <laughs> because, there, because the thing is, is like in, at the end of the day, let's say yeah. that Notre Dame wanted to form a committee that was going to look into all this mm-hmm. and say, well, we're going to hire Driscoll. Go fix it, Driscoll. I'm like, okay, I'm just a guy with ideas. What about this guy and his ideas? And what about this guy and his ideas? And what about this guy and his ideas? And, you know, I may have some great ideas for this, but somebody else may have some great ideas for that. Somebody else may have a great idea for that. Right. So if you have something that you think would be better or, you know, that's not really a factor, then, then say it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I don't, I agree that I don't think there's any excuse if you're not going to play. Cause I agree. I mean, I have been fully on board with, I don't want to play the handout game, right? Like I don't want to play that game, but if you're not going to play that game, you have to win in other areas, right? Like you have to help in other areas. I agree a hundred percent on that, on that sense. Right. Like it's, there should be no reason that Notre Dame doesn't have the best resources in the country. Right. It doesn't. And also it's unfair to the kids, right? Because the, the kids, and, and again, there's, there's a nuanced conversation, right? But the kids sacrifice, and we know some kids in the 2023 class, for instance, that sacrificed the handout to come to Big Notre handouts. Dame. Big handouts. Big handouts. And I think that you should reward those kids for saying no to that by reinvesting in them when they get on campus, right? They – they invested in you. They bet on you because of what you can give to them. So give it to them, right? Like I want the the guys that have been offered all that money to have every possibility to be the best version of themselves, right? Because they did sacrifice a little bit of something. And I think that that is, it's a necessity at this point, right? Like I don't even think it should be a, I don't think that this should be much of a conversation, honestly. Like it should be expected at this point that like, hey, if you're not, if I'm not going to get the compensation on the front that some other schools are trying to entice with, I should at least get the resources here to be the best version of myself. I mean, because 
why why do kids come to Notre Dame? They come to Notre Dame to be the best version of themselves. That's right? the Before promise Notre Dame makes. Exactly. We're going to make you the best young man you can be. Best young man. That's not best just football academic. player. Yeah, it's not, exactly. and it's not just spiritual. Mm-hmm. You, you're not giving them the best resources to be the best athletes they can be. You're not right. Pretty mm-hmm. good, but not not enough. Exactly. And this was a great comment. Bill Walsh said Ryan was thinking about how to get a little more of that reinvestment money. So <laughs> he has. I can assure you, he has. So um, yeah, it's just fun. some of these responses to that are really really classic. Let's get so, back. Stop, up here. I just need people to stop picking on the kid, the guy with ADHD. Okay, I, I I'm, yeah. I'm fully put it out there. All right, I don't need yeah. to be teased. I don't need to be teased. <laughs> <laughs> Irish breakdown needs a mental health director now. <laughs> From Coleman Smith. Would you move Marist Loifal to Viper given his play style? If not, why? I I have mixed feelings on a Coleman. I, I mean slightly, because I again I'm just I'm waiting to see where Notre Dame is definitely going, right? If if Notre Dame is because we've we've talked about, hey, are they gonna work more to two or three three? Right? Are they going to work more towards a? Are they going to stick with the four two five out of four three personnel? Like, there's nuances to this conversation because I'm not 100 percent sure what the direction is. The one thing I do agree with though is that Maris Loy felt to Viper in a not a huge volume, but at times makes sense to me just because I think that you can simplify things a ton at that point, right? Like Maris, just go, man. You don't have to worry about reading and reacting. Like, just go. Go that way as fast as you possibly can and be an athlete. If Maris Loyfeld does that, I think he can still be a good football player. It's just the instincts are just have not been there for him, right? So, in a vacuum, I yes, I agree with it, but also I need to 100% understand where is the defense going, right? Because that will change, that could change the answer a little bit. Like, I don't want Maris Loyfeld, I shouldn't say I don't want him to. I don't. I, I wouldn't want him to be a viper if they're running a three-three stack a ton, right? Because you're still going to come along with the same issues. Like, then he's the will again. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. Right. Like it doesn't help him, right? I, I'm all for trying to help these players. Going back to the helping the players thing, right? Like, I want Mayor Swift to be successful, so I want to put him in the best possible position for him to help the football team. I do think that is, as at times, an on-ball player that just goes. Don't have to read and react. Don't have to work on the second level. Just use your God-given athleticism and length. I think that that can help him. But again, I'm not really 100% sure on what the full direction is Notre Dame's going. We've speculated on it. There's some things we believe in it. But is it a still a 4-2-5 heavy team? Is it a 3-3 team? I think there's a lot There's a lot of things that need to be answered for that to give you a 100% answer for me. Yeah. I think for me, Ryan, it's just he's not an every-down viper. He's oh, yeah. not setting the edge of me in times. He's 235 not, yeah, pounds. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. He's, if he doesn't become a more consistent execution guy, because here's the thing, like the light may go on for Maris the way it did for Asmar Blondes last year. And if he does, he's going to be excellent. He'll be even more productive than Asmar was, who had 70 tackles and 10 tackles for loss. I mean, Maris Luafau at the will, if the light went on and he was disciplined, is a 10 to 13 tackle for loss guy. I mean, that's just the nature of the defense and his athleticism. Yeah. And the NFL but, will love him because yes, of the talent he has. Yes, yes but the rea- yeah. the athleticism that he has is the way I'm I sorry. personally I would say it. Yeah, but I can't I can't bank on that anymore. Right? It's it's he's got to show me. But the answer right now is if he's the same guy he was, he's a he's a niche player. He's a role player. He's a nickel guy. Yes. He's a he's a package guy. He's not an every down player anywhere. And Dying that's the problem. Player. Yeah, right. That's that's the problem. Is he just can't be that? And. 
unfortunately, and, you know. But I, but honestly, yeah. if if you find a will that can be a really good football player for you, though, and Maris is right relegated to a really good special teamer and then a situational player, it's not the worst thing in the world, right? right? I mean, you could still use him and for him to be a successful football player. I'm not giving up right. on Maris. It's just there there needs to, that light that light switch needs to come on soon, or else it's yeah. just he's a simplified role guy. But right. that's all he is. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. I don't. I don't. I look at what Maris did this year, and I say, you know, we we missed on that because we both thought he was going to be a really good player this year. Sure. But you. So so when you miss on a guy, you got to look back and say, why did I miss? What was yep. the reason for the miss? And for me, Ryan, I there's nothing he did this year that makes me doubt what I thought about his athleticism and his length and his potential. Yeah. It's all he just doesn't. He's not a natural football player. He just doesn't show instincts as a football player. And then you just got to figure out. Okay, why? What can I do to get him there? And if you can, great. If not, then you've just got to find a niche because you got to find a way to use that athleticism some way, somehow. Yes. You just, you have to. Well, I mean, well Brian, you, you I, just... th- I, th- I think the first drive of the bowl game was the greatest mm-hmm. example, right? He actually made, and people don't talk about this, Maris made a great play on a screen early in that game, working inside out and tackling a guy for a loss in that game or right at the line of scrimmage. Made a great play. The problem is he followed up with the with the face mask, and on the first run of, of the game, he vacated his gap and then decided to go in the C gap when he was a B gap player, right? Like it's just mattingly right. <laughs> inconsistent. But he makes some right. plays sometimes where you're like, it's eye popping, man. Like that is a cr- other linebackers that are playing on Notre Dame, like J- JD Bertrand and Jack Kaiser aren't making that play, right? right? But then it's about the plays that they do make, the the things that should be routine that Maris Lloyd found doesn't make. Like right. he made, he hits the home runs. He doesn't hit the singles or the doubles. That's just right. what it is for me. Right. And that's why he's just right now, not a good football player, even right. though he's a talented or at least athletic football player. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here we go. Here's another from Scott L. Scott L., what three things could Notre Dame be doing better off the field to win more games? Guess I think we kind we of talked, talked about, about that. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we just kind of got through that. Uh, Rob yeah. Osgood, here, here's one. Good question, Scott L. We just you, – you got it out of us in your first question because he's yes. the one that asked about the stats. From Rob, question, how far out do coaches look for recruiting? Like two years out, meaning planning for the future. I know it takes time to build – what you want, but curious about the planning process. I mean, I mean, it's they're like three years out now. I mean, the, the twenty four class is ter- currently what they're working on, but they've they've actually handed out at least one or two offers to twenty six kids. 
Yes, there's a couple 2026, and then the 2023 class. I mean, it was January of last year, so you're still, you know, a, almost a calendar year from what well, you are a cal- just about a calendar year, a little less until National Signing Day for the 2023, and you still had to figure out the rest of your class. And they're offering 2025 kids. I mean, Bryce Underwood was was offered quite a long time ago. It was a 2025 kid, and your 2023 class class was not even close to sign at that point, right? So, I mean, they're planning well ahead. I mean, you're going to see some kids. I mean, we're getting more 2025s that have been offered over the last few days. You're going to see some more 2026s in the future. Like it's, I'll say this, Ryan. The further you get out, the more they're only focusing on the immediate, definite, okay, this guy's really flipping good, right? They're they're not looking for the project right now in 26. They're looking for the Bryce J. Underwood. They're looking for the Antoine Hills. They're looking for those kind of guys. Yep. And – the the underrated kids are more okay. Let's find some twenty twenty five sleepers and get on them before they break out, yep. and have a shot. But twenty six exactly. is just if there's some dude that's just like you know, and twenty five even to agree is still kind of this point in time still focusing on the yeah. high end guys. But yeah. you'll be more sure. open to some of those sleepers. Yeah. Twenty six is like if there's just a guy that's really good, we're gonna have to get on him now. Because if you don't yeah. get on Antoine Hill now, when it comes time to focus on his class, you're done. Exactly, you have no chance. Dorian Brew, Antoine Same, Hill, right. Bryce Chanderwood. Like, right. yeah, yeah. You got to get on right. those types of kids right. early. Right. Brandon Pleasure just put a name there, Dia Bell. Dia Bell. Dia I don't Bell. Know how to pronounce his name. Dia Bell, the uh, yeah. quarterback from the 26th class, right? right. Yep. Raja Bell's. Yeah. Raja Bell's right. son. Yep. He's a very loose athlete. If you watch yes, him throw, he he's a very he's loose flexible. athlete. Yeah. Very flexible. Yep. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Here we go. Here's some, some more questions here. Mm-hmm. Here's an interesting one from. Uh, from Coleman Smith. Which team was better overall? 1988, 1990, or 1993? 88. If you were gonna if you were gonna put the 89, the only the only team to me that could compete with the 88 team is the 90 89 team. That's it. That's it. I think the 89 team was actually better. It's just the schedule was playing Don't at team. Miami instead of home <laughs> against Miami. You right. know, um, that's the difference. But to me, the only team that could it could compete with '88 was the '89 team. The '90 team was talented, but but not not as good as the others. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, Rick Meyer's a good quarterback in college, obviously, but he wasn't he wasn't Tony Rice in that offense because they never really truly adjusted to what Rick Meyer could do. Right. But Tony Rice was a wizard running an offense. And, and I've had people so, me down said '93. I don't think '93 team was better than the '89 team or the '88 team. It might have been more talented, but it wasn't a better team. And why? Because they weren't as good on defense. I mean, that's the thing that gets missed a lot about that 80, 1989 team is their defense had some really, really good football players on it. But the the difference in in coordinator between Rick Minner and Barry Alvarez was light years. With all due respect, light years. I mean, they gave up thir- 21 points to Florida State, which you know pretty decent, but they they couldn't keep them in check. They gave up 41 points to Boston College, you know, gave up 23 points to Michigan in a win. That defense was just not as good as the '88 defense. It just wasn't. It, it you know, it just it just wasn't. And so, to me, that was the difference between those two teams. It was just that '88 defense was really good, really good, and the in the '89 defense was pretty darn good as well. The 93 team had some great players on defense. I don't think they had the same talent on offense that the 89, the 88 and 89 team had. I just, I don't think that they did. 
So that's the difference. And 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 somebody else said this: the '92 team was more talented than the '93 team. It wasn't a better team than the '93 team. It's just more talented. But the '93 team was a better team, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my that's my stance on. It. But the '88 '89 team was outstanding, and just they had to play the champs on the road, and you know, and that was the difference. But they could have beat anybody else that year, and and would have beat Miami on a neutral field, in my opinion. So. Yeah. That team was really good. Really good. All right. So let's get to some more here real quick. Mailbag from uh, Brian Hockney. Thank you, Brian. Where do we stand with Irish legacy 2024 wide receiver Emmett Mosley? Do they see him as a wide receiver or a defensive receiver? Yes. I was going to say he was offered as a receiver. It's where they are targeting him. Still being recruited as one, correct? Yes. Yes. And he is... So, I mean, Brian, this is where we are. I mean, people, I, I think, kind of went over the top with that that he had an interview a couple weeks ago where he mentioned three schools and Notre Dame wasn't one of them. I mean, from our sources, Notre Dame is still feels like they're, you know, very much in it. They are still recruiting him heavily. And, you know, I, I think that there is in, mutual interest on both sides. Will they ultimately land him? We'll see what happens. But I, I don't it's think that it's mark. dead in the water or anything No, it's like definitely that, not. You know? I mean, I th- yeah. the only thing I've been able to confirm, Emmett doesn't talk – uh, to a lot of people. And that's what kind of made that interview a little bit um, like, okay, that came out of nowhere. Right. So all, all that I've been able to get him to say to me is he's definitely still interested in Notre Dame. And he tells Notre Dame that, but I, I just don't know how much, honestly, if I'm, if I'm going to be completely honest with you, because yeah, he just, he doesn't talk to us a lot. So that's, that's the problem. So I, I really, I can't tell you how interested he is. He says he likes Notre Dame a lot. Notre Dame feels they're in it with him, but Notre Dame doesn't feel like he's a lock at all. Yes. They know they got to recruit him, and they know that there's work to do there. So they're putting in the work. We'll, we'll just see if it pays off. That's a, a Notre a Dame question. has a, what one positive is that if they don't, unfortunately, right, there is Notre Dame's in decent position with a few really talented wide receivers in 2024. So the board's very talented. I think right he's now. really good. I, I like him yeah. a lot more than you do. I, I think so. I, I do. Yeah, uh, but I think, he's a, uh, I think he's a good player. He's a very he's a good, good player. player. I like yeah. him a lot. I like him a lot. So we have we have a couple super chats down here, Ryan, that I want to yes. I want to get to here as well. So we have one here from Steve Rolf. Steve Rolf. So Florida lost the quarterback commit. Steve, thank you so much. By the way, should always get off that. Yes. So Florida lost the quarterback commit. They promised millions of dollars. Do you know who they signed? Uh, do you know if uh, do you know if they sign actual contracts? Love the show. Well, thank you. for That I'm not the show. sure of. Uh, I don't. I don't know how don't, some of this stuff works. I. I don't think and, that there was an official contract signed. I think there was like there was there had to be some sort of agreement signed. Sure. But us signing an agreement is different than have, us having a binding contract. Yeah. There clearly wasn't a binding contract uh, written. Otherwise, the collective couldn't have not paid him thirteen million dollars without just an immediate lawsuit being triggered. Exactly. You know, like if I if I if Ryan so Ryan and I have signed a contract and I'm going to pay him X amount of dollars. If I just decide you know what, Ryan I'm not going to pay anymore. Um. Are you firing me? No, you do a great job. I'm not firing you. Just not going to pay you anymore. He, the lawsuit would be really easy for him to win because I've arbitrarily made a decision that we have a binding contract for me to hold up to my end of the bargain, right? Yeah. And and so if there was a binding contract, this would be an easy lawsuit that it had already been filed. So clearly there's not some, uh, an official binding contract, but there had to have been some level of paperwork. There, I know for a fact there was some some paperwork that was signed. By both sides. That I know for a fact. Was it a binding contract? That I don't know. That I'm not sure of. 
So um, it's yeah. it's so weird, man. Because I mean, it, like the contract stuff with high school athletes, just to begin with, is like a really murky kind of conversation, right? But I mean, most of these kids are have nil agents at this point, right? So I would think that there would be some type of contract. But then also, I haven't. I mean, there obviously wasn't one in this situation. To Brian's point, right? So I. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I mean, I, I I don't know. I just don't know how that stuff is working right now because I know a lot of the agents and, you know, the, the NFLPA certified agents, a lot of them are getting into the NIL game, right? Mm. They're all talking to those kids and representing them and everything. But contracts in those types of situations are just so odd. Like, it's just such an odd structure, right? And I just don't know how it's working, to be honest, right now. Because to your point, Brian, like there, guess there wasn't an agreement. I mean, maybe there was an agreement, but there wasn't a there, contract. There, there was weird. an agreement that I know yes. for a fact. Because one of the things that I was told was a holdup is uh, they th- there was an error in the contract that hurt Florida that caused yeah. them to have to give like I think it was like more money to the agent or something like that that they didn't want to have to pay. That's one of the things that I heard was part of the issue. Oh, the agents and getting part. Uh, the agents getting like a a plus a cut, on the contract. A, or something the cut, where the yeah. cut would it would have been greater or something Probably like that. Three percent or something. Would, or something. Yeah. I don't remember what it was specifically, but it was just like yeah. and there. So the, the Florida the the contract that Florida drew up that mm-hmm. that they that, there was an error, and they wanted to get out of that. And of course, the agents like, well, no, you signed <laughs> give me, it. It's like, give me my money. Because <laughs> you're an idiot doesn't make the. I, I shouldn't be punished because you're an idiot. You know what I mean? Sure. And, and don't do your job well. You know, like, like if I if you and I signed a binding contract, like, hey, Ryan, I accidentally uh, put the decimal in the wrong spot. There's one too many zeros. You're going to be like, oh, well, sorry. We both signed it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, That's funny. <laughs> you know? That's funny. So, um, but that's kind of part of the deal, too. So I know that there was something signed. I just clear, don't know if it was a binding contract or some sort of promissory thing that's not binding. I, I don't know the answer to that. I think but this there, might there be. There was some level of paperwork that was signed. I- I will say this. I think there's two lessons that you take from this, though. It's one, don't promise you something that you can't keep from the college perspective, right? And then also on the other side, it's like agents, make sure it's a buy the contract, right? Like right. at this point. So there's right. a couple lessons we could take from this one. Yeah, there's a million lessons. we. And here's the thing. A 18-year-old high school quarterback is not worth $13 million. Well, that's, yes. I, I would hope that that would be assumed at this point. Yes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. From Joe Papiti, NIL question. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around it. Is uh, is it a binding contract? Aren't these minors who can't sign a contract? Please explain. So the minors part is it depends if they're 18 or not. If some of these right. kids are 18 years old, I believe Jaden Rashad is 18 years old, so he can sign the contract. But if there are minors, then it just means they have they either need to have a uh, a parent or an a, a, an agent sign it on their behalf. I was going to say representative. And so then you're going to pay the representative who then disperses the money to the minor. Yes. Essentially is how it works. So you can either have a parent sign it as the guardian, legal guardian or a legal guardian or have the, you know, it's paid to the agent's firm. And then the agent has a contract with the family and then they will give them, you know, 90% of whatever the contract is or something like that. You know, it'd be that kind of thing. So, so, so a, min- a minor can't represent himself. That's why there are NAL agents, right? right. Like that's why that they are right. doing all that in, on their behalf. Yep. Right. Joe Papiti with another one. He says it's the final one, but hey, Joe, look, Joe, uh, keep coming. You man. Give us more, man. We're not going to say no. <laughs> 
Final one. Shout out to my girl and fellow Blue Hen alum, Kayla Miller, on being named the NIL Athletes Marketing Manager. Go Irish, go IB Nation. Yeah. Thank you for that, Joe. Uh, I still have, I'd still like to, I still don't know exactly what her job is, but I will say something else too. If Notre Dame says, Jack Swarbrick has said they're all about NIL for kids that are here already. Mm -hmm. Again, if you say you support that, then you should do everything you can legally do to make sure that your NIL program is the best in college football. Yep. hundred percent. That's another thing. Like, Hey, look, we're not going to entice you to get here, but the kids that are here and doing the work, we're going to do everything possible to make sure they're getting as much money as they can through the legal channels. And that's absolutely something they should be embracing hundred percent. Now the thing is schools can't do that. Schools like, I don't believe that Notre Dame can have someone, they can hire someone. You know, Kayla Miller gets in to say, Hey, I want you to call every business in South bend and promote deals. I don't think they can do that. I don't think that's legal. I, I, I don't think it is, but so there's certain limitations that they can do. Mm-hmm. but what with whatever they can do, they need to be doing everything they can to facilitate that. So, Hey, look, we're not going to pay you a dime to come here, but if you come here and you do what you need to do, trust me, you're going, it's going to be worth your while. I mean, I think, I think it's a massive step. Just the fact that you have someone in that position now that at least you're showing that you are advocating for helping, right? Like that's a big step. I, again, I don't know exactly what the, what our responsibilities are, what the result will be like. Nobody does at this point, right. but I, I do think it's a positive step. The fact that like, you understand that like you need to do something, right? Like you can't just yeah. kind of sit on your hands a little bit and just, right. you know, move, move, move in silence here. Like you have to make some moves and have to advocate for the athletes. So i like the thought of it. It's just, I want to see what the actual outcome is for it. You know what I mean? So right. it's going to be interesting here. we got another one here. Uh, Mr. Roberts, let's mm-hmm. go. I thought you were going to say it was Mr. Rapidi again. Jordan Schreiber, who was more responsible for the offense not performing in the Ohio State and Marshall and Stanford games, Tommy Reese or Marcus Freeman? When did Marcus Freeman finally set Tommy Reese loose? I mean, he never set him loose. Uh, Who's responsible for it? Uh, Tommy Reese, Marcus Freeman, Harry Heastan, Chancey Stuckey, Dylan McCullough, Tyler Buffner, Jared Patterson. I mean, not Jared Patterson. He didn't play. Uh, Joe Walt. That, I mean, everybody's part of it. Like, we get in this thing, like, who's I have a buddy of mine. Who do you blame for such and such happening? Every time they're in a worker, who do you blame for that? I don't blame anybody for that. The kid picked another school. Like, stuff happens. Not everything is like, who do I blame for this? Uh, who, who, who do I, who's more responsible? Everyone involved with the offense and the head coach ultimately is the responsible for everything. So, all of them. When did he turn them loose? I don't know that he had ever turned them loose. I don't think he ever held them back. I think he, right. Marcus Freeman was very honest that the first game of the year, he he was much more involved than we wanted a certain type of game plan. But they still threw the ball deep. They just didn't complete them. Several times. Time. The ball deep. Yeah. Threw, like, yeah, I mean, they threw five deep balls, I think, in that game, and three more they called that the quarterback didn't get off because he got hit. Right? So, I mean – execution was their problem, not the head coach holding the OC back. Right. And they didn't have all their horses in that game. You know, you didn't have Jared Patterson. Some guys were a little banged up and things like that. You didn't have Deion Colsey and Tobias Merriweather and all those guys. So uh, who's to blame everybody. I mean, football's a team game. You know, everybody's responsible for losing. So let's say that, let's say the Buccaneers would have come back and pulled off a crazy upset and beat the, beat the, beat the Cowboys. Yes. And by by three. Say, so, well, who's to blame? The the PAT kicker for missing four extra points. Well, 
that's easy, but how about the defense giving up 28 second half points or the offense not getting first downs or, you know, everybody's responsible for you losing games. And, you know, that that's end of the day. That's, that's where it needs to be. We haven't talked about that. How wild is it that there's a professional kicker that missed four extra points in one game? I'm, it's the craziest never thing I've seen it. in my life. Never seen it. it. Was, and he was good this year, too. Like, he yeah. had a good year. That well, it's like just, it's in your head. I did see that man. clip where C.D. Lamb went up to him after, like, one of the later missed kicks, and he's like, bro, we got your back. You know I mean? Because that's an easy time to revolt and turn on your kicker, man. It's yeah. just like, this guy's not real athlete. Well, this, you know, he's not a real yeah. football player. and. But no, they had it. So it, well, hopefully he gets it back because I don't want this to be like – I'm being serious. I don't want this to turn into like a Rick Ankeel, Chuck Knobloch situation. Sure. Where it sure. just gets the yips. Yeah. But that was wild, man. I, I've never seen anything they, like it. They did just sign a kicker to the practice squad, I think, just in case. Well, you kind of – yeah. Because, be, well, you I guarantee to. you it's you because of that exact reason because it's like, okay, where's his head at? Right. Like we know this guy can kick, but where's his head at right now? Because exactly. that is a mental position unlike any other in sports. Yep. And people don't talk about it. I mean, the pressure on a kicker. Like, here's the thing. A quarterback could have a great game great game, and throw a pick and 13 incompletions and still play a great game, mm-hmm. right? John Elway won MVP of the Super Bowl, threw a pick, right? Had incomplete passes. A kicker can't miss anything or it's oh, you're yeah. killing me. He's got to yeah. be perfect or he's going to be hammered. Clean sheet for a kicker. Yeah. yeah. Clean yeah, yeah, no doubt. I mean, if a kicker has a ninety percent success rate on field goals, it's pretty good. Yes, but it's like, good. you know, yeah, but you need to be better. Oh, I should say eighty percent. If a kicker has an eighty percent success rate, you're like, ah, eh, you know, dude, you missed twenty percent of your kicks. But I mean, name me another position like where you know, if a quarterback's completing eighty percent of his passes, he's in the Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like. Or so wide receiver, receivers ooh. catching eighty percent of his passes. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. Well, if his, yeah, if his exactly target. Target. The other day, you and I were talking about how the 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 success rate that that um, Cooper Cup had it was like seventy some percent. It was like that's just an unreal success rate for catches per targets. Well, yes, and it's like if you're on like one hundred eighty targets. Or if something you're a seventy five percent kicker, you're out of a job. Yeah, you stink. Yeah, you right. know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, it's wild. It's it wild. wild. Yep. All right. Zach Martin says, Ryan, did you get a new circle light thing? Looks great. <laughs> no, I did not. I uh, I have a little, it's just a nice day outside today, man. Yeah. So there's a little more uh, natural light in the room, which is good, which is good. Yeah. So I'm working on it, man. Zach, I, you don't know how many things I've tried for this stupid lighting yeah. in this room. So I'll yeah. try that. We'll work on it. Here we go. Let's see here. We got one here from Milton Fan. Milton fan, what are some program changes Marcus Freeman has made or is making that you like? I mean, recruiting, right? Like, I mean, we've talked a lot about that, though. It's like he's changed the emphasis on recruiting, right? It's no longer these areas we're good in and we're just going to kill these Catholic schools in these certain areas. It's like, hey, oh, man, let's get down in Texas a little bit, right? Let's start looking at more some public school kids that can be – that could be good. That could that could do well at Notre Dame with the supports that we have in place, right? Like you're changing the emphasis, and I think the the grinding as far as the recruiting from a full staff perspective, right? Like, so I mean, the immediate thing I think of is that Marcus Freeman is a grinder on the recruiting trail. He demands everyone around him to be grinders, and he's also changing what a Notre Dame fit can look like, right? Mm-hmm. Who can we who can we target that is a good student and a good athlete might need some supports in place. But we'll give them the support because we're Notre Dame and we have the academic support in place. So I think the recruiting side is one initially that pops up to me, Brian, that like Marcus Freeman has changed pretty substantially in a short amount of time. 
Well, big thing for me, Ryan, is he's changed the expectations and there's yeah. no excuse making anymore. I mean, he had a million excuses he could have used this year and he never did. I mean, think about this. Brian Kelly was complaining about how young his team was before the season started in 2021. They had a fifth year starting starter at quarterback. They had a six year senior at right guard. They had a fifth year senior at right tackle. They had a senior at center. They had a junior at left tackle. They had um, uh, all of them. I mean, the, the only young guys they had were your left tackle and your tight end. You had a senior wide receiver. I mean, you were a veteran, a fifth-year senior other in the slot. You're a very veteran team. Your defense was just as old, and and you kept complaining about how young you are. Did you once hear Marcus Freeman talk about how young they were on offense going to the bowl game? They started eight freaking sophomores, true were- sophomores, eight. And you never once said – you never heard him once say, well, you know, you never had set up for failure. Hey, look, if we fail, just so you know, it's because how young we are. Never once heard that. Never no. once. The built-in excuses went down with a quarterback yeah. who hadn't played in three months. But they never, they never tamped down expectations for Tyler Buckner like that. Now they, they didn't also come out and say Tyler's going to throw for five hundred. They didn't do that. It was like, hey guys, just be patient. He's going to make a mistake. You know, you may say that after the fact. Hey, look, he made some mistakes. He got to get better at. But it, but it wasn't like. Well, you know, he hasn't played in three months. You guys know that, right? And they had a th- those would have all been legitimate excuses. He never used them. So the whole ex- making excuses for why you don't s- succeed, sometimes even before you don't succeed, that's gone too. So, and I think that's raised the standard of of expectation. Hey, this isn't good enough, and and so we're going to go out and get it done. And I think that's something that's changed a lot in my opinion as well. It's it's pretty refreshing to see someone that doesn't make a lot of excuses for things not going their way. Right. It's like, I mean, honestly, and I I say that in jest and I'm throwing shade. Right. But it's, it also is really refreshing. It really is because I mean, in order to get better, you just kind of, kind of, you know, take the punches and keep moving, man. Like, I don't want to feel sorry for myself. I don't want built in excuses. I want to keep growing. And I think that that's, I think there's a growth mindset behind the program right now, which is very refreshing. Absolutely agree. And I'll say this, another program change he made that I like a lot is he brought Harry Heastan back. Yes. That's a, that's a, that's a program change. I like, that's, that's and I'll tell you what, he did a really good job with offensive staff. Like I know uh-huh. the offense struggled this year and people are going to look, but the coaching on offense, I thought this year, like from the assistant coach standpoint was looked really good. It took a huge you uptick. Know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and and we didn't hear him. At what point in time this year did Marcus Freeman blame the fact that he had a backup quarterback playing all year on why they didn't win? I don't remember him saying that. I don't either. I don't. And and he could have. It's a built-in excuse if he wanted it. When did we ever hear him talk about how how hindered the offense was because they didn't have Avery Davis? Right. When did you ever have? And I know they think highly of Avery Davis, but when did you ever hear them use as an excuse? For why they weren't successful. When did when did you ever hear Tommy Reese use that as an excuse? Now they would mention, right. "Hey, Avery's out. We got to have some guys step up, right?" Sure. And that, he he was a very important part of piece, important piece of what we do. And we're going to miss him like crazy. That's not what I'm talking about. They said all those things, and they should have, and they did. But during the season when things weren't going well, in in public conversations and in private conversations, I didn't have a single coach at Notre Dame tell me. Well, dude, what'd you expect from us? We don't have Avery Davis. We don't have this. We don't have this. This guy never once did I hear any of that. I used to hear that crap all the time in the yeah. past, and it drove me nuts. And, and me, and yeah, 
Meanwhile, we have a certain SEC coach that has a $90 million buyout that is talking about his backup quarterback that was actually a starter to begin the year, but that's a reason that they can't win a football game, right? So, yeah. Why you got those shaded, Jimbo? Oh, man. Good old Jimbo. 